Each and every one of you have a megaphone that God has given to you. You have a platform in which to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what a megaphone does, it takes your small voice, because all of us are just small voices. It takes your small voice and it magnifies it. And only God can do that when you properly use your megaphone, your platform. And so as we, um, as we talked about last week, uh, we talked about a little bit of the sin of silence. The sin of silence. Because if we are silent, then it's sin. Because here's the reason why it's sin. Because disobedience equals sin. And God has called each and every one of us to go and make disciples, to tell people of the good news of salvation. And if we don't do that as believers, then we are blatantly disobeying God's order. Thus, we are sinning. And so when we have the sin of silence, it's not a good thing. We're not living out the Great Commission. And I would even take it a step further. When we just talk about, like sometimes we think, well, I tell my friends that I go to church. And if that's as far as you go, let me tell you something. That is still the sin of silence. Because you're not taking it far enough to where they can understand that there's someone in their, there's someone that they can invite into their life that can take away their guilt, can take away their shame, and give them new life in Christ. And so when we only just say, you know, I go to this church, or hey, I pray for you, that is almost like we talked about last week. Just you're not allowing people to taste and see the goodness of God. You're only smelling it. It's like popcorn. It's like smelling popcorn in the movie theater, and you can never taste the goodness of that popcorn. And how rude is that for us whenever we sort of flash that in the faces of people without taking it to the step further? Because let me tell you something. People want us. They want us to talk to them about it. Deep down, they want us to be real with them. And so the sin of silence is something we can't, we can't put up with. And God does not want that to be in your life. And so this week, what I want to talk to, last week we talked about disobedience. So what is the outcome of obedience? What is the outcome of obedience? What does it look like whenever we properly use this megaphone? You know, God's word is filled with lots of outcomes for disobedience, but God's word is also filled with lots of outcomes for the obedience of using the megaphone, of using whatever platform that you have, whatever opportunity you have to share the good news of salvation. And so as we talk about the obedience um, and the outcome of obedience, there's, there's several stories, but I want to hone in on one story in particular that many of us have heard about, and it's about the story of Jonah. Now, when you think of Jonah, you immediately think, Whale, big fish, swallowed by whale, spewed out on the land. That's usually what you think about when you think of Jonah. And actually, yes, that's part of his story. But, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to include that in our story today, but there's more to that story that I want us to look at. Because God gave Jonah a megaphone. He gave Jonah a platform. And what Jonah decided to do with that megaphone, he decided to rebel. So Jonah 
lived in that period of, in that season of his life. He lived a life of rebellion, or should I say, wellbellion. <laughs> like that? Wellbellion. Yeah. I made that up myself. So, yeah, you can tell. So Jonah was a Jonah was a prophet for the nation of Israel. Now, a prophet was someone that God God spoke to really on a daily basis. Okay, the the job of a prophet was to hear from God and then share that with people because the Holy Spirit had not come into the place where it's it's coming into uh, many people's lives because Jesus Christ. When he came and then he died and he rose again, he said, I'm going to bring you a comforter. I'm going to bring you something that can help you along in your Christian walk as you as you follow me. And that is the Holy Spirit. Well, that Holy Spirit wasn't on everybody. That Holy Spirit was was on a few people like King David. uh, He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. It was on, uh, on the, the prophets. And so the Holy Spirit would talk in sort of a megaphone kind of way to the prophets. And the prophets would then share that word to the nation of Israel. Well, Jonah lived at a time about 200 years after the death of King David. So King David died, Solomon, and a few other kings. So about 200 years after King David is when Jonah uh, lived and Jonah was given a word from God, and that word we can find in Jonah chapter one. Now Jonah, uh, we're going to hang out here just for a little bit uh, in this book. We also have several other passages I'm going to share with you. But if you don't have your copy of God's Word, we have it on the screen. We also have it on the U Version Bible app. Just search for Lake Point Church under Live Events. But in Jonah chapter one, verse one and two, it says this: The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. So here is God telling Jonah, go to this great city because of its wickedness. I, you need to preach it. You need to preach against it. You need to let them know of their wickedness. Because I have recognized that they have wickedness in their life. Now, here's a problem with that assignment. The problem with that assignment is that Nineveh, which was the capital city of the nation of Assyria, Nineveh was very, very evil. They were considered back then a terrorist organization. They were terrorists. In fact, they were growing stronger and stronger in that region and by the way, Nineveh is located in northern modern-day Iraq, just, just really outside the city of Mosul. And so uh, the nation of Assyria was growing by leaps and bounds, and it was starting to, um, uh, to really bully a lot of the neighboring countries, including Israel. And they would do detestable things, probably very similar when you think of terrorist organizations in that part of the world. That's probably very similar um, things. What they do now is what they did back then. And so Jonah, the problem was, okay, these guys are terrorist organization. They're a terrorist country. Why? Surely that message is wrong. It wasn't wrong and he knew it. So Jonah decided to go on a vacation. Instead of obeying the Lord, 
He decided to go on a vacation. He decided to go to the beach. So I'm going to go to the beach. So the opposite direction of northern Iraq. And I'm going to go and catch a boat. And I'm going to just kind of go on a little trip. So he did. He, he paid his, his fare, got on this boat. And while he was on the boat, a storm came. This storm started growing and growing. And while on this three-hour tour, the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tough. If it not for the fear, the, yeah, you know that song. So this, but this wasn't a Gilligan's Island sort of comedy. This is real. And so he was caught in a storm, and the storm was growing and growing. But Jonah was asleep in, um, in, the, in the ship below the deck. And so while he was sound asleep, everybody else was freaking out. The crew, the captain, they were throwing things off the boat and trying to lighten it up. And so the, the captain finally came to Jonah and said, hey, dude, you got, you got to wake up. There, there's something going on here. We, we're about to die. And so Jonah went to the top of the, of the boat and, and he, he immediately realized what was going on. This is not a, this is not a, a weather pattern. This was a God-sized storm, and Jonah was right in the middle of it. Why? Because of disobedience. Disobedience. So Jonah said, I know exactly where the storm is coming from. It's because I have disobeyed God. And so he said, the only way this storm is going to calm is if you throw me aside. Captain's like, we're not going to do that. We're going to try to row back. So they, they spent several other hours rowing back to, to, to land the storm grew stronger. Jonah's like, you've got you've to get rid of me. So these, this crew, and they didn't believe in God. They weren't God-fearing people. They were part of, part of the nation of Israel. And so they started praying, asking God for forgiveness. Say, God, you're God, the God of Jonah. We ask you for forgiveness while we throw Jonah overboard. So they threw Jonah overboard. And as Jonah said, the storm began to calm down. And it began to get calmer. And the guys on the boat actually made an offering unto the Lord. They actually believed in God because of that. But while they were making their offering to the Lord, and Jonah is sort of treading water a little bit, he, Jonah has something that happened that no, nobody has experienced. Jonah gets the very first ever submarine ride. And so this great big fish, some people call it a great big fish, a whale, whatever. It's a big creature. Comes up to the surface, takes Jonah, and brings him underwater. And Jonah stays in there for three days. And what does Jonah do during those three days? Um, He prays. I mean, can can you blame him? (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I got swallowed by a big fish and I'm alive and I'm, I still have a pulse and I'm able to breathe, the, what I'm doing is I'm praying. I'm praying to the Lord. But guess what? The Lord was silent. The Lord was silent. Jonah prayed and prayed while in the belly of this whale. And then God caused the fish to spit out Jonah And this is what happens in chapter 3. Chapter 2 is basically his whole prayer. By the way, the book of Jonah has four chapters. You can read it in one sitting. Great for your family to read together. 
But in chapter 3, after he's been spewed out on dry land, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, the message I give you. And so God, who is silent during this whole process, after he was spewed out, gives him the, pretty much the same word as he did at the beginning of this book. Hey, Jonah, in case you didn't hear me the first time, let's try this again. Here's round two. And I don't know about you, Jonah made the decision to go ahead and go. Smart man, very smart man. And so he decided to go to the city of Nineveh and decided to preach this message. Then the message was, in 40 days, God is going to destroy this city. And so it took him about three days to walk through the city because it was so huge. And so, but what's interesting is that the Bible doesn't say anything about Jonah, you know, uh, putting flyers up, you know, organizing a band, uh, organizing a crowd, renting out a coliseum. There's none of that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. You know, the Bible just says that Jonah was walking around the city going, in 40 days, God is going to destroy the city. In 40 days, God is going to destroy this city. In 40 days, God is going to destroy this city. And that's what he did. Sort of almost, well, let's see what these people do with that. Sort of like reluctantly, because remember, he's in a city of terrorists who can't stand the nation of Israel. And so, after three days, Jonah leaves the city. But word of mouth Begin to travel. The message began to travel by word of mouth, going to all the way up to the king of Assyria. And the government of the city of Nineveh. And so they made a proclamation. Hey, if this is true, we don't want this God to destroy us. We are going to pray. We're going to ask for forgiveness. Stop doing your sinful things, and we're going to fast. We're going to hold off from eating. And so they made this, this decree. And while they were doing that, Jonah went a few, um, maybe a couple of miles away, just outside the city. And he waited and he watched. Because when he, when he was in the city sharing this, in his mind, again, terrorist organization, terrorist group, he's thinking, these people need to die. These, there's no way they're going to accept this. These people need to die. God needs to come in and needs to smite this. And so maybe I'm just supposed to just do this message and then leave and God do what he wants to do. And so he goes a few miles away and at a safe distance, sets up his chair, sets up some, some, you know, some, some supplies, maybe a tent, and he's out there and he's looking and waiting for the fireworks to begin. For God to rain down fire from heaven, just like in the old days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and annihilate this, this nation. He waited. Wait for it. 
wait for it, and it never happened. It never happened. And in the meantime, the sun was beaming down on, on Jonah. And so God caused this plant to rise up and provide him shade. And the very first time in this entire book, Jonah was happy. He was happy about the shade, thinking, you know what? Any moment now, this city's going to burn. Burn, baby, burn. That's what he was thinking. Never happened. And then God did something pretty unique. He, he sent a worm to, to kill this plant. And so ate up this plant, and this plant died, shriveled, and his shade was gone. And so Jonah was mad. He was like, God, how can you? I'm sitting out here in the sun, and this plant that you provided for me is now gone. How could you? He got so mad about that stupid plant dying. And God couldn't take it anymore. Because here's the deal. Jonah was more worried about his shade and about his comfort, about that stupid plant. He was more worried about that than the hundreds of thousands of people that God wanted to annihilate. And because of their wickedness, he was more concerned about his own well-being. And it says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 9 through 11, this is the last part of of the whole book. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. I mean, if I were God, I'd be like, fine, boom, you know. (laughs) But, I mean, God's like, dude, you were in a whale for three days. And I kept your life. This guy had, guy had issues. <laughs> Verse 10. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Bible scholars believe that the 120,000 can't tell from the right hand from the left believes that God was talking about the, the children. Yeah, I mean, you know, young children, you can't really tell the right hand from their left hand. That's about how many children were in there. So that lets you know how of a, a massive city this was. Plus it took them three days to walk through it. And so the hundreds of thousands of people You care about more about this plant than you do about those people. I know those people are terrorists, but I want you to do something. I called you to share the word. That's it. That's it. And you did not do it for the first time. I gave you a second chance, and you did it the second chance. And now your heart is still not in the right place. So here is where I want us to come to as we talk about this with our lives. What is the application for us? What can we learn from the story of Jonah? Now, 
So one question that I have when reading this is, is why Jonah? Why did God choose Jonah? Well, Jonah was a prophet. But Jonah represented basically a nation that for so long had got this high and mighty attitude that we are God's chosen people. God speaks to us. What God does for us, you are excluded from that, meaning the other nations. You are excluded from that. But that is not God's plan at all. The reason why God chose the nation of Israel so he can show his grace, he could show his mercy, he can reveal himself, he can have a group of people to talk to, people that, that, that come to him and ask for forgiveness, but also a nation that's right in the middle of a part of the world that needed to know who God was. And God loves them. And he forgot about that. He forgot about that because the nation of Israel got so comfortable they got so comfortable being the nation, God's chosen people. Don't we do that sometimes as a church? It's so easy. We're, we're in our church. We come on Sundays. And I know we, we try to invite people, and many of you do. And that's awesome. And I want to encourage you to continue to bring people. But so much of the church... We sit in our churches and, our, and, and we meet together and we're comfortable. And we forget that there is a dying world out there, dying and going to hell. And they are lost because they don't know the way. And we are the way. Jesus is the way, but we know the way. We have the answer. And that is Jesus Christ. And only through Jesus Christ. And so we live those comfortable lives we live them safe. And anybody that, that tries to go against that, that safety net, that safety, that comfortable lives, we're like, you know what? You, I don't need to pay attention to you. You know, we have people, even in our communities, that are like that. But let's, let's go to the extreme. Let's go to the extremists. Let's go to those radicals who are, who are living even in that part of the world right now. In fact, the city of Mosul in, in, in Iraq, the city of Mosul has been taken over by a terrorist organization called ISIS. Obviously, we're having issues with ISIS. And you can even see some videos where they have issues with Christians. And it's almost like if God said, go to Mosul and go preach Jesus to ISIS. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to do that. I mean, I already feel like I wish I were Iron Man. You know, when, when I was looking at those, those videos and, and, and the horrible, those, those horrible acts, I, I, the first thought, I just, I just think this, I wish I was Iron Man. I wish I had the suit. I would suit up. I would suit up. I'd fly over there, and I would annihilate all of them and fly back home to Harley, Georgia, and sit on my couch and watch it all on TV. That's what I would do. That was my first thought. Boy, I wish I, I, wish I could do something. This is not right. God's saying, yeah, those guys, 
Those people who are part of ISIS, yeah, I love them too. I don't know about you, but God's love is so much greater than, than I can ever imagine. Because I don't know if I can love those guys. I'm just being honest. Some of you may feel the same way. But God loves them. No, I'm not saying we're going on a mission trip to Iraq. <laughs> no, I don't feel us called as a church to do that. But what, but what I do want to tell you is this. If God wants us to reach people like ISIS, which he did, Jonah, it's the same area. It's the same part of the world. It's the same group of people, just different names. Thousands of years later, the same assignment. I love those people. So if God wants to reach those people, imagine what he wants to do with the people that you are perturbed about. You're just a little bit annoyed by. You're perturbed. About. You're like, man, those people just get on my nerves. I can't stand when they do this. I can't stand when they leave trash out on their yard. I can't stand when they park their, their, their car in the, in the yard. I can't stand when they don't, when, uh, when, when at a soccer game, these parents just go irate, mad, and, and talk to them. I can't stand that. Guess what? Those people, those people who, who may, not, may not show signs of Christ in their life, Jesus died for them as well. And Jesus wants to reach them also. So if God wants to reach all of those people who are the extremist terrorists, you know he wants to reach those people in your lives. And God has called you to use your megaphone. One of the problems that we have and one of the reasons why we don't reach him is because of our heart. It's a heart problem. Because you know what? When you read the story of Jonah, you realize Jonah, the reason why Jonah disobeyed the first time, it wasn't because he was afraid. He wasn't afraid of, of going there in that terrorist organization. There's no sign that he was afraid. Every sign pointed to the fact that he did not want God to show, down, show his mercy to that sick group of people. It was a heart issue. And so why do we not use our megaphone to share Christ with others? It's a heart. It's a heart. Oh, come on. You and I both have. We all have people in our lives that sort of annoy us, that irritate us, that, gets us, that they just push the right buttons. And if they, and some of them might be Christians, and that's a different issue. But I'm talking about those who don't know Christ, those who need, God has placed you in their life. God has placed you in their life for that. God has placed Donya Pettit on a softball team and in a softball league to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called her to that. He's called you to do the same thing. And so we need to check our heart. The problem is, like Jonah, we lack God's heart. And another reason is we don't understand God's plan. We don't understand God's plan. Um, Jonah had a different plan, didn't he? If Jonah could play God, he would have done it a whole lot differently. 
We don't understand his plan. His plan is a share, the message of salvation to everybody. And so as we are doing this emphasis here at Lake Point Church of sharing Jesus, there are things we're doing in our small groups. And it's a study called Share Jesus Without Fear. Also, starting next Sunday, each of you are going to, are going to receive a challenge. It's called a 30-day challenge. And that challenge is just simple little steps. Every day, simple tasks that you could do to help make you aware of the people that surround you in which you need to share the message of salvation. And so between the 30-day challenge and the study of share Jesus without fear, it is our goal that you are trained. And so here's what I want you to do. Sometime this week, don't do it now because I want you to pay attention, but there's, a, there's an app, a mobile app called Share Jesus Without Fear. It works on, I think, all devices. It costs like 99 cents. It's an app that for your phone that has the verses that I'm about to share with you. And it's the same verses we're going to ask you to memorize during the 30-day challenge and the same verses we're going to ask you to memorize in your small group of Share Jesus Without Fear. Also in the app, it has pre-defined answers to the most common questions or most common issues that people have with Jesus. Some of those hot button questions that people ask you like, uh, I don't know, let me get back with you. They're all, there's about 30 of them or more. You have them on your phone. You also have them in your book, Share Jesus Without Fear book. So we want to equip you, Lake Point Church, to use your megaphone, to use your platform. And so the plan includes the following. It includes prayer, it includes questions, and it includes God's word. In John uh, 5, verse 19, in John 5, verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I say to you, the son, he's talking about himself, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus is saying this, I don't do things. Now, this is Jesus Christ. Okay, He was there at creation, God's son. Even Jesus didn't do anything unless he sees his father doing. And so those times when Jesus went off to pray, you know when he was praying? God, show me where you're working. Let me join you. Prayer. Your plan includes prayer. You need to ask God in your, when you begin your day, when you're driving to work, when you're getting ready for your day, say this simple prayer. God, show me where you're working. Show me people around me who you have already started to work with and let me join you in your work. It includes questions. Here are some of the questions that you're going to, um, that you're going to ask people. Now, we're going to go more into details on this, but questions like, do you have any kind of spiritual belief? As you talk to people, as you have conversations, do you have any kind of spiritual belief? Or number two, to you, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? The third question is, do you think there's a heaven or hell? Fourth question, if you died, where would you go? If heaven, why? And here's a fifth and final question. 
If what you are believing is not true, would you want to know? Now that is a serious question. That almost gives you an open door. Five simple questions. And you're going to hear more about these. But five simple questions that you can use. And guess what? All of those are on that mobile app. And so the plan includes prayer, it includes questions, and it includes God's word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active. This word written hundreds and thousands of years ago, I mean, this, this, this word of God is active. It's not dead. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, the word of God can do wonderful, incredible things. And so here are the scriptures that you want to encourage people to read. And so what I would do is you could have those scriptures on your app or put these scriptures in your notes on your phone, because you always have it with you. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's what you do. You ask them to read that for themselves, because hearing the word of God and saying the word of God is double action. They're not just hearing it, but they're saying it. Another verse, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3, 3, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can come see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You ask people to read those verses. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The next verse, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. But it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And then the final verse. Revelations 3, 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So what, what happened to Nineveh? What happened to Nineveh? Obviously, we could tell modern day Nineveh is not a really good place. You may say, well, then Jonah wasted his time. You know, after Jonah shared that message, 40 years later, Assyria came and attacked the nation of Israel. Can I tell you something? It's not up to me or to you what God does with his word. We are called to obey, period. We have this thought, we have this idea that we are to lead people to Christ. Can I tell you something? That is the job of the Holy Spirit working through God's word. Those verses that I just read, and you can ask people to read for themselves, let the Holy Spirit work in this word, which is alive and active. 
Let the word do the job. It takes the pressure off of you. It takes the pressure off of me. You cannot fail at this. We can't fail. The only thing we're to do is to be ready, which we're making you ready, if you do what we ask you to do. Be ready, be available, and obey. That's the only thing you and I are supposed to do. We're not supposed to talk them into anything. We just share. Let the Holy Spirit do that job. That's why Jonah was so mad. He's like, I can't talk these people into doing this. He had it all wrong. He just needed to obey. I just want you to obey, Jonah. That's it. Obey. And if God can turn an entire country around, even just for a few days, with that haphazard evangelistic outreach that Jonah did walking through the city, just sharing that word, then surely he can use your obedience. And just sharing people, sharing with people the message of salvation. You can not fail. Our focus should not be on results. Our focus should be on obedience. I need to share that with you again. Our focus should not be on the result. Our focus should be on obedience. We should not focus on, oh, they accepted Christ or they didn't accept Christ. No one's keeping tally marks. There's no competition. Your job, my job, is to focus on obedience and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Because if you combine prayer and if you combine God's word and ask those kinds of questions and share that, the Holy Spirit will do the rest. And as I close I'm going to share with you one more verse in the book of Jonah. I think when I read this story, this verse just really, really popped off the pages to me. This is the last scripture we'll read. It's Jonah chapter 1, verse 6. Now, Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat. Storms howling around them. And this is what happens. The captain went to him, to Jonah, and said, quote, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Can I tell you something? That word in chapter 1, verse 6 is alive today because that quote from that captain is a quote and a saying for you and I today. He's saying this. How can you sleep? How can you sleep? Get up and call on God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Take notice of us who are tossed in the sea, in the storms of life, without an anchor. We're just floating helplessly, lost in this world. Wake up. Wake up. We need you to tell us.
Can I tell you something? There's a lost and dying world that's telling us to do that right now. Yeah, the media might be painting another picture. Just ignore the media. There's people in your life that are asking and begging you, wake up. Because there are storms in my life and I don't know what to do. And I'm lost. And I think you might have the answer. So Lake Point Church, how are you going to use your megaphone? Are you, are you going to disobey God? There have been times that I've walked right past opportunities. And if I had to ask for forgiveness, I had to confess that. There's going to be times you might do as well. I'm going to encourage you, use your megaphone. Use your platform that God has given you.